Good morning. Good morning. It's a really a beautiful morning, and uh, my uh, extension of Happy Father's Day to all as well, all the dads. I hope you have a, a great, great day. Uh, a little history about Father's Day. The roots go back, not that really in our country, not that far, maybe a little over 100 years, the early 1900s. Uh, Mother's Day had already been being celebrated, and that, that came into existence after the Civil War, Mother's Day did, and it was in uh, 1909, there was a, a woman living in Washington State, uh, her name was uh, Sonora Smart Dodd, and she went on a quest to establish a, a, a day to celebrate dads. 11 years earlier, she was 16 years old. Her mother died giving birth, and it was her sixth child. Uh, Sonora was 16. She was the eldest. She had five younger brothers, and she helped then her father raise these five boys, and she held her father in great esteem. But Mother's Day was a difficult day, as you might imagine, especially for the the youngest son who had never known his mother. So uh, Sonora campaigned for a, a day to celebrate fathers. And her campaign was successful. On June 19th, 1910, that was the third Sunday of the month of June, Washington celebrated a statewide Father's Day. And then gradually that began to spread over time across the nation and so today we have, we have Mother's Day in May, we have Father's Day in June, and both can be absolutely wonderful, but they can also be difficult. Uh, families sometimes only have one parent, uh, which was Sonora Dodd's experience. Uh, sometimes maybe a mom or a dad didn't pass away, but a mom and a dad are no longer married, and the family structure has changed. And days like... Mother's Day and Father's Day, they can bring some tension and pain. And some want to do away with these days. And just have maybe one day. So one suggestion I saw proposed a day called Adults Who Love You Day. So that, that would be, you know, for kids to, to, just to honor adults that love them. Uh, another pitch that I read uh, called for what, uh, uh, what they called More Four Day, kind of a combination of mother and father, and they called it More Four Day. Uh, and, and you know, some of this can be driven by the, by the idea that maybe it's difficult, you don't have a mom or a dad, or you had a bad mom or a dad. But a lot of it's being driven by the culture that is relentlessly, and I mean relentlessly, pushing for the elimination of uh, the traditional and the biological genders of mom and dad. You know, dads and moms, male and female. This is a binary pair. And we're gonna talk about that this morning. And I've titled the series, God is Binary, as we've considered a variety of binary pairs throughout Scripture. Pride and humility we talked about, remembering and forgetting. A pair that's 
uh, like a zero and a one, a true and a false, they, they may be uh, uh, opposed to justice and mercy we talked about. Last Sunday, creator and creation. And this morning, um, male and female. God created this binary pair, man and woman. And if I were to say to you, good morning, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls. Some find that offensive now. Some have eliminated it. At Disney, they've eliminated that announcement. That style of announcement doesn't exist anymore. You go to the theme park and they don't say, good day, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls. It's good day, everyone, or people, or something. They've, they've changed it. And uh, I want to talk about that this morning, and I know I'll... Uh, we have, we have boys and girls in here, and I'll be sensitive to that. But I think we need to talk about it because the culture just keeps pushing that. And our kids hear it, and they see it, and they might wonder. God created man and woman, but society in a big way has just rejected that. A, a person doesn't need to conform so what's immutable and unchangeable? These characteristics that are our, our humanness that God created and they are unchangeable. But society says we don't need to conform with how God created us. No, what do they say? A person's changeable, malleable. They can be whatever they desire. What do you want or believe you are? Well, be that. And the word used is identity, uh, it's all based on how one identifies. It's an internal thing. And how has that affected man and woman, male and female? Well, a male can be a female, and that's okay. Uh, a girl can be a boy, that's okay. But it goes much deeper. It goes much deeper. The fact that the binary pair, male and female, exists, and it's a fact it's been wholesale rejected, and that's been, it's been confirmed by language, by the redefinition of words, of words like sex and gender. And centuries ago, gender was a term that was mostly grammatical. Uh, it, it, it determined grammatical subclass. Certain languages assigned a gender to things, and I don't know why. I'm not a linguist. I don't know why you would call a table feminine or a book masculine. I don't get it. But whatever, I didn't develop language. But language did these things. Uh, they could be masculine, feminine, or neuter, or just nothing. In German, uh, a carpet's masculine, a tree is feminine, and the mountains are neuter. So I don't know who figured that out, but that's how they do it. And that was hundreds of years ago. In the 15th century, Gender expanded from its use as a term from a grammatical subclass to join sex and referring to either of the two primary biological forms of a species. A meaning that sex had had since the 14th century. Phrases like the male sex and the female gender are both grounded in uses established for more than 500 years. In the 20th century, sex and gender each acquired new uses. Sex took on the form of a, a verb. And gender to mean person's internal sense of being 
male or female, some combination or neither. Now that, that was from Merriam-Webster. I read a kind of a less formal definition about gender. Gender is a social construct, a social role and expression and identity. It isn't biological, it is emergent. So again, a person in view of society, you can be whatever you want, you can be whatever you desire. Society, culture presents that how a person identifies, well, that's who they are. That identity, it's internal. It does, definitely doesn't need to conform to anything external. And identity is feelings-based. It can completely defy science and biology. And it's being pushed as normative. I, I saw a children's book, picture book, with simple sentences. It says this book was for ages four and up. And I don't even want to mention the title. But it had this line. Only you know whether you are a boy or a girl. No one can tell you. Now this is, this is being presented to four-year-olds. Kids. Only you know whether you're a boy or a girl. No one can tell you. Now that lie is being pushed. That lie is being pushed and pushed and perpetuated. And you'll hear phrases like this. Gender assigned at birth. Uh, you might hear AFAB assigned female at birth or AMAB assigned male at birth. You know, as if this assignment was random, as if it was like some malicious label hung on someone that needs to be changed. Oh, you were assigned this at birth. Well, you better deal with it. You better change it. The AMA, the American Medical Association, reports that one in 5,000, now that's two-tenths of 1%, one in 5,000, Sadly, they're born with something that's gone haywire and it's gone wrong in the de developmental process. And when that person's born, two-tenths of 1%, being able to say, well, this is a boy or this is a girl, it's indeterminate. Two-tenths of 1%. Now, in that same report, and this was a report I read June 2021, it's fairly recent. The AMA recommends, well, let's just remove this Let's remove this from birth certificates. Let's remove male and female from the birth certificates. So I'll just read you what they, they wrote a little discussion about their recommendation. This was part of the discussion. Assigning sex using a binary variable and placing it on the public portion of the birth certificate perpetuates a view that it is immutable and fails to recognize the medical spectrum of gender identity. Participation by the medical profession and the government in assigning sex is often used as evidence supporting this binary view. This is the AMA. Now here's the recommendation. The Board of Trustees recommends that the following be adopted by the American Medical Association. The American Medical Association will, advocate, will advocate for the removal of sex as a legal designation on the public portion of the birth certificate. So again, you know, it's just like... Really, why would we want to assign this at birth, right? Because it's up to you. I mean, that, this, is, this is the AMA. This is culture, society. It's pervasive. So again, I think we need to talk about it and we should, you know, we can talk about it sensitively to our kids too. But the immutability of male and female, that's just been torpedoed. That has just been destroyed. 
I, mean, I can't change that about me, but it, it is immutable. It's unchangeable. But because of an exceptionally rare issue, point zero two of a percent, two-tenths of a percent, or two-hundredths, uh, this, this is being said, let's get rid of this. And it's based on that, and it's also based on this. Only you know whether you're a boy or a girl. No one can tell you. So it's these two things, something very rare, or just, hey, listen, it's up to you. The AMA says, let's, 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 not, let's not identify people at all. Because identity can change. That's what they're saying. That's what the culture tells us. That's what the society tells us. And you know, that brings confusion on a day like today. That just introduces confusion on a day we call Mom's Day or Dad's Day. I was reading a piece that featured three families. And two of the families, the father changed his identity. So those families that had a mom and a dad now had a family that had two moms. And the third family began with two moms. And then one decided to become a man. So now they have a, a mom and a dad. And, and the, there was a, a line in that piece that said, there are actually cards that say, for my mom on Father's Day. Now, I don't know about you, but that's confusing. That's just confusing. For my mom on Father's Day. And I'm guessing they got for my dad on Mother's Day, but that's just definitely confusing. And this is what society tells us. I mean, there are greeting cards being made like this. Now, now does, God, does God's word speak to any of this? Because some say, well, it doesn't, and God's word never mentions any of these things. And Does God, does his word say anything about this? Let's, let's just look at God's word. Because there's the very basics of creation. We talked about creation last week. Creation and the created, and the created want to be the creator. That's Human nature, we want to tell God what to do. We want to tell him we're, we're in charge. We're not the creature. We are the creator. That's, that's what we talked about last week, and that's what humans do often. They put, them, they put themselves above God. But the very basics of creation say this. Genesis chapter 1, verse 27. So God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. Then Genesis chapter 2 gives more details on this creation of man and woman. Genesis 2, 21 to 24 says, So the Lord God caused the man to fall into a deep sleep. And while he was sleeping, he took one of the man's ribs and then closed up the place with flesh. Then the Lord God made a woman from the rib he had taken out of the man, and he brought her to the man. The man said, this is now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman, for she was taken out of man. That is why a man leaves his father and mother and is united to his wife, and they become one flesh. Now that's the Old Testament. This is reaffirmed in the New Testament by Jesus Christ and it's reaffirmed by the Apostle Paul. Jesus used this very line that Adam spoke. In Mark chapter 10, verses 6 to 9, it's recorded Jesus was talking to someone about divorce. And he said this, But at the beginning of creation, 
God made them male and female. For this reason, a man will leave his father and be united to his wife. He quotes Adam. And the two will become one flesh. So they are no longer two, but one flesh. Therefore, what God has joined together, let no one separate. The context is marriage and two people coming together, man and woman. The Apostle Paul reaffirms this very thing in Ephesians chapter 5, verse 31. He said, the same thing for this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife and the two will become one flesh. This is the creation account of God creating man and woman and it's referenced, but it's referenced in a context and the context is marriage. That's what Jesus was talking about and and Paul used it as an image of marriage. Paul was making a greater point about uh, something deeper and spiritual, but he used marriage as the image. And both Jesus and Paul are reaffirming God created man and woman. Marriage is between one man and one woman. That's God's design. That's God's word. And the word meanings, the context, they leave little to interpretation. It's not, we, we can't stumble over this. It's clear. It's, there's, it's hard to twist this out of shape. Yet, people will argue it. One purported Christian writer wrote this. God created the male and female isn't restricted to binary. I scratch my head when I read a line like that. But this writer who claims to be a Christian says, God created them male and female. That's not binary. That's not just one or the other. It's all inclusive. It means all kinds of things because it hinges on the word and. God created them male and female. Well, what does that mean? Well, the writer explained, God created the heavens and the earth. That's what scripture says. Here's what the writer wrote. We understand that to mean that God created the heavens, he created the earth, and he created everything in between. There is a spectrum to creation, which includes heaven and earth and everything else. Similarly, scripture says God is the alpha and omega, the first and the last letters of the Greek alphabet. That is meant to say God is everything, from alpha, the beginning, to omega, the ending, and everything in between. Christians acknowledge throughout Scripture that and represents a spectrum, not a binary well, not this Christian. I acknowledge that and is a conjunction. And it brings together words and elements of a sentence. And I can't change the meaning of and based on some guy telling me it means, well, it means everything. No, there is a context and a meaning to parts of sentences. The word joins them together. And we can't break the context because we want to or because our ideology says, well, a person can be uh, uh, something between a man and a woman, which I don't even understand. It doesn't indicate in any sense 
the idea that God created the male and female, that there's a spectrum. It doesn't, it, there's no indication uh, that, well, God, God created uh, uh, something in between. Jesus, in his context, didn't allude to that. Paul, neither did Paul. And, and as a matter of fact, Adam, when he first used the line, when he first used the line that Jesus quoted and Paul quoted, for this reason, a man will leave his father and mother. Was, was Adam saying, well, gee, for this reason, uh, a man will leave his father and father? Or father and, and something else? Or mother and mother? No, there is nothing there that, that tells us that because there's the word and. It's sort of a ridiculous argument, yet it's people out there trying to push this and say it's Christian even. I'll give you another reference about father and mother. It's in Exodus chapter 20. In Exodus 20, verse 12, we have the commandments of God. Verse 12 says, honor your father and your mother so that you may live long in the land the Lord God is giving you. Another example of a binary pair, mother and father, male and female. There is no spectrum here. There's no sense of mother, 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 father, father that could become a mother. It's all nonsense. It's all nonsense. To read it any other way, to, to, to read it any other way, to interpret it any other way, out of the, the fact that there's a context here that a man and a woman join together in marriage and they become a mom and a dad, to, to read this any other way is to force something into the scripture that just isn't there. God created man and woman. That's a complementary pair. It's a binary pair. And a man and a woman can join together in marriage and they can become a father and a mother. That's God's design. In Genesis 1.27 and in 2.24, it says this. And this was affirmed in Exodus chapter 20, verse 12, by the finger of God. God etching this into a stone tablet with his own finger. Honor your father and mother. That was affirmed by Jesus. It was affirmed by Paul. We're God's creation. We're his design. And it's not our prerogative to turn against God and change that. And I want to give you a biblical example because, yeah, people say, well, there's nothing in the Bible about this. You know, there's nothing that says, well, God made you this way biologically and you can't change it. And I'll give you an example. I'll give you an example that's about strictly biology. And God getting really upset that someone decided that they could identify differently. Someone decided to identify differently and God was not happy. Numbers chapter 16 says this. No one except a descendant of Aaron should come to burn incense before the Lord. This is something that's in Leviticus. It's in, it, it's in the, the early pages of Scripture. It's, it's said very plainly, though, in Numbers 16. 
No one except a descendant of Aaron. So what does that mean? There's a biological connection. There's a genetic connection. This is truly genetic biology, period. That's it. If you're a priest, you're a priest because you come from Aaron, period, end of story. That's it. That's God's design. That's what he said. It's a biological thing. And God really didn't explain it. He just chose Aaron. He said, I choose Aaron. Aaron's going to be my priest. And only his descendants will be my priests. They're the only ones who can come before the altar and make sacrifice. They're the only ones who can burn incense before the Lord. That was God's plan. That's God's design. And if you want to say, gee, Lord, please, why didn't you give me more information about it? He chose Aaron. That was his plan. That's what he did. Now, what if someone who was not a descendant of Aaron decided, well, I identify as a priest. I can be a priest. Well, I don't have the biological lineage, but who cares? Internally, I feel it. Internally, I know I'm a priest. I just got to be a priest. Well, let me ask you the question, what would happen? Certainly God's not going to object, right? Maybe he made a mistake. Maybe he just made a mistake. He, he created somebody that was outside the lineage of Aaron, but truly in their heart, they were a priest. So God would allow them to be a priest, right? That would, I mean, seriously, he should, he should overlook the, this biology stuff, right? And genetics and science and all of that, because internally, they're a priest. Well, someone did just that. He was a king. His name was Uzziah. And by all accounts, he was a good king. He was a seeker of God. Scripture says as long as he sought the Lord, he found success. He was a, a true seeker of God for many years. But he decided one day he could be a priest. He decided he could do what priests do. I, I guess he identified as a priest. And he went into the temple to burn incense before the Lord. Now, this was the king. The king held people's lives in his hand. He could say, hey, take this guy out. So if you, if you approach the king in the wrong way, and they had the power of life and death, they could just say, have this person executed. Well, there were some courageous priests that confronted the king when he came into the temple to burn the incense. They were courageous because they knew it was wrong. And this is what occurred. I read you from uh, 2 Chronicles chapter 26, verses 18 and 19. Uzziah's gone into the temple. He's identifying as a priest. But he's a king. He's not a priest. He's not from the line of Aaron. And the priests confront him. Verse 18 says, they confronted King Uzziah and said, it's not right for you, Uzziah, to burn incense to the Lord. That is for the priests, the descendants of Aaron. It's biology. It's all about biology, Uzziah. It's for the descendants of Aaron who've been consecrated to burn incense. Leave the sanctuary, for you have been unfaithful and you will not be honored by the Lord God. Now Uzziah had the censer in his hand ready to burn incense. He became angry while he was raging at the priests in their presence before the incense altar in the Lord's temple. Leprosy broke out on his forehead. Now the rest of the story is Uzziah had to go live outside the city because he had leprosy and he was a leper till he died. See, he decided he could do whatever he wanted to do. He decided he could do what was inside his heart. And it didn't matter how much he sought the Lord. 
It didn't matter how much he supposedly loved the Lord. It didn't matter how much he knew about the priesthood, how much he studied to be a priest, how much he, he, he understood what it meant to burn incense and how to do it. It didn't matter how much he identified as a priest. None of that mattered. Uzziah was not biologically in the line of Aaron. He could not alter God's design. And because he rejected God's design, he suffered consequences. It's God's creation. It's not our prerogative to alter or change who God has created us to be. Society and culture, they just don't like that. They do not like to hear that. Now, some who claim to be a Christian, like the writer I referenced, they got a strain to twist and distort the word of God and the meaning of scripture to line up with, with what with what they want, with what's their desire. Now, that's just some. Most, outside, most in the culture, they just want nothing to do with the word of God. You know, scripture is just written off as archaic. It's archaic and it's intolerant and it's bigoted. And, and it's just some, some thousand-year-old text. Get rid of that. You know, the bottom line is that culture and society, they just have rejected God. They've rejected his design. And, and they make the claim that every individual is autonomous with the right, with the right, the innate right to, to be self-created and have this self-created identity. So, therefore, every individual, you may choose your identity, be it male or female or whatever, anything in between, anything inside or outside the bounds, I, I truly don't understand it. I don't understand all the letters and it, it, it doesn't make much sense to me. But in all of it, how do we respond as Christians? Because that's, that's important. How do we respond to this? How do we respond to culture just pushing this in on us? What do we do? Now, one thing we could do is just shut it off. Our response could be, let's just shut off the world. Let's just put some walls up around us. Let's cloister ourselves Let's sequester ourselves from the world and life will be good. We can worship God. We can praise God. We can just never never deal with it. And certain sects and denominations, they've done that. They call for just shunning the world. But Jesus gave us a mission, didn't he? Jesus commissioned us to go out into the world and preach the gospel and share the good news because there's a better way. There's a better way. It goes to eternal life. So this idea of like closing ourselves off, not, not the best way to respond. There's also the tendency to just get angry, to get angry, to rage against the culture, to rage against all that's happening, to, to just tune in to the, to the talk radio and get all worked up about it and shout about it and yell about it and say how awful and evil it is. But again, if, if we look to Jesus... His example was to engage the world with love and with compassion, but without compromising, without compromising the truth or compromising the will of God. Jesus didn't tolerate or condone sin, definitely not. He was direct. He pointed it out. He he pointed out sinful behavior. He pointed out sinful lifestyles. There's the example in John chapter 4, the woman at the well. Jesus met this woman in, in Samaria, told her all about her life. He pointed out her sin. You're, you're, you're with a man who's not your husband. 
But what was Jesus doing? He was opening a door to the truth. He opened a door to the truth. He opened a door for this woman to repent. Jesus was calling people to repentance. That was his mission. He came to call people to repent. And, and that's our model. This is, this is our response to the world, whatever they bring. It, and, and yes, it's coming like a steamroller. The AMA is saying this. And things are, people are saying these things and they're pushing it in little kids' books. But our response is to model Jesus and being angry and railing against those who've rejected God. You know, just screaming at them, yelling at them. It, it's no way to open them to the way to eternal life. And Paul the Apostle, he, he wrote a letter to the church in Rome, and it's deep and it's doctrinal, but it takes a turn to the practical in Romans chapter 12. And, and I love it. I call it Paul's Sermon on the Mount because it's much like Jesus' Sermon on the Mount in Matthew chapter 5, 6, and 7 where Jesus is just, just hammering on life application. Paul, Paul gives some great points about life application in Romans chapter 12. He opens a chapter saying, don't be conformed to the world, but be transformed. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And he went on and he wrote, love must be sincere. Hate what is evil, cling to what is good. And how do you do that? Well, he wrote more, bless those who persecute you. Sounds like Jesus. Paul wrote, bless and do not curse. Yeah, we want to curse all this that's happening in the world. We want to curse what's, what's coming into the schools and being pushed on our kids. Paul wrote, bless and do not curse. Do not repay evil with evil. And he closed the chapter. Romans chapter 12 closes with this line, Romans 12, 21. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. I mean, now here, this is, this is some good advice. Sincere love. Sincere love and compassion. What Paul, Paul wrote about there in Romans 12, it must involve telling the truth. And the truth is, it's not possible to change what God's created, what he's ordained. We can pretend. People can pretend, they can make believe, they can live in a make-believe world, but, but it's not the truth. And we can speak that truth in love. We can be loving and compassionate while never ever compromising on God's truth. That's the model of Jesus. See, and then that door, that door can open to eternal life. The, the love can open that door to change, but not a change of design. Not a change that goes against God's creation, but it truly is a change that God desires. And you know, that change is not the external, it's the internal. People want to change. You know, they want to say, well, I'm changed on, on the outside by what I feel on the inside. God just wants you to change your heart. And that's repentance. God invites that change. He invites that turn. And sincere love opens the door to repentance, a change of heart. And then to a transformation. A transformation by the renewing of the mind and, and conforming to the image of Jesus. It doesn't happen overnight. It doesn't happen in an instant. 
But we got a mission. We have been commissioned to be in the world, to open that door. That's our calling. It's our calling as boys and girls. It's our calling as men and women. It's our calling as fathers and mothers to engage those. Engage those who are lost in the world. Open the gospel of Jesus in the doorway to repentance. Do not be overcome by evil. Overcome evil by good. Take that home with you. Take that home with you. Let's, get, let's, let's do that with anyone we, we meet who, who may, you know, say it. It's okay for me to be different than what I am on the outside. Talk to them. Open the door. Engage them like Jesus. So they can come to the truth and receive eternal life. Let's take that to heart this morning. Let's stand. Let's pray. Let's close our service with that. Let's stand on the truth. Let's be people, men, women, boys, girls, moms, dads, who do this. This is, this is our Lord who gave us this model. Thank you, God. Thank you, Father. You are, you are our good, good Father in heaven. And you sent your son, Jesus Christ. We thank you for that, God. We thank you for the kindness and the compassionate heart of Jesus who didn't tolerate sin or condone it. He called it out. He spoke the truth in love. He opened the door to people who were lost in, in, in sin. He did it with compassion to guide them to eternal life. Father, help us to take that and help us to not be overcome by the evil of the world. It seems suffocating at times. It seems overwhelming at times. It seems like it's an anchor pulling us down. God, help us not to be overcome by the evil in the world, but to overcome by the good of our Lord and our Savior, Jesus, and all that he offers, and help us to be people who would share that. And help us, God, if we're angry about what's going on, if we're railing or raging about what's going on outside the walls of the church, God, help us, help us, help us to tone that down and, and to be more like Jesus. God, I pray that for all of us. It is hard at times. It's so difficult if we have children, if we have young ones, if we have people who are, who are being influenced by, by the the evil in the world, God, of course we can be upset. Help us, Lord, to, to direct that in a way that's, that's holy and righteous and models Jesus and brings people to that place of transformation and renewing of their mind and conforming to the image of Jesus Christ. God, help us with it all. Send us out with it, Lord. Lift us up, carry us. Bring us back to worship you. I thank you, Father God, and I ask this blessing on every single one here and all those who are connected online. In the name of our Lord and our Savior, Jesus Christ, amen. Amen. Go with that blessing today. And as a reminder, these altars are always open after a service. You can be prayed for if you need healing. If you have any need, the elders are here. They'll anoint you with oil. You can avail yourself to it. God bless you.